In this hour, for the front page, we're speaking to Rizal Zulkapli, the anchor from Awani Global, as well as Ahmad Zuhel, Ahmad Adnan, a journalist from News Desk, Brita Haryan. Thanks for being here, guys. Pleasure. Hi, thank you. And welcome. All right. Uh, obviously, we'll be going straight on to the first uh, question. Of, we've had this issue about the country's wealth that must be fairly distributed amongst all Malaysians. That was uh, told by our Prime Minister, Tung Dr. Mahathir Mohamad. Now, um... Is this a good idea or are Malaysians ready for this move, Rizal? I think it's a very good idea. We know that some segments of the society, some people are living with uh, about 2,000 ringgit. Some households are living with 2,000 ringgit mm. uh, a month. And um, if you provide fair distribution of wealth, and the word fair here is also very subjective. Yes. But if you provide that to these people, um, I think... Um, instead of saying that we're going to give um, you 500 ringgit, you earn um, 1,000 ringgit and I earn 100 ringgit. We're going to give you 500 ringgit and you're going to give me 500 ringgit. I think that's not fair to a certain extent because, yeah. again, the word fair is subjective. But if you provide me with targeted subsidies, if you provide me with the access to best, uh, best healthcare and education, mm. then I can also be productive and I can work harder to ensure that my family can get access to all these things and also um, to ensure that I can be successful in the future. Um, it is when we neglect these people, the, the people living on 2,000 ringgit, households living on 2,000 ringgit per month, then I think that's just not fair. And I think we have to be ready for this. And I think the, the way forward is to think and to think how we can best um, do this properly and we can ensure that there's no uh, leakages, that if you have targeted subsidies, it will go to the um, rightful uh, people. Now, so that leads me to the, the next question now. Of course, there are certain segments of uh, society who are entitled to some benefits. So, how would this affect them? If uh, the country wealth is uh, fairly distributed, it will be good. But the government need to define fair. Right. Uh, you know, uh, it, I think at this moment, it's not you got one, I got one. Mm. You know, for example, like the B40, especially like the Indians, the Orang Asli, mm. the Bumi Putra in Sabah, Sarawak, mm. they need to get more. They need to be helped more. Yes. Because we are, uh, we are not doing uh, so well in, in helping these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, because some, some group of people have a larger voice, so they get hurt more, so they get help more. So as of right now, it is on that, but I think uh, the government need to to do much better, you know, as a, as a as a new government. And I think in the future we need to move towards that everyone got you got one, I got one. Mm. Maybe in the next fifty years. Briefly, it's not going to make people lazy. Mm. It's going to yes. make people work harder mm. to ensure that they can get access to all these um, benefits that come um, with working harder. Um, and I think uh, this perception of you know people will just be lazy after a while is not true. I believe. Yes. Right? Mm. Yeah. Alright, coming up, Malaysia to meet Singapore despite Johor MB's alleged trespass. That's after Sun by 4 on light. We're still on front page with Rizal Zukapli as well as Ahmad Suhail. And this round, we're talking about Malaysia to meet Singapore despite Johor MB's alleged trespass. And that is the current situation right now. Uh, of course, Economic Affairs Minister Azmin Ali has reiterated that we should be maintaining strong ties between Singapore and Malaysia in the best interests of both countries. Now, obviously, this is a very sensitive issue. Now, it seems like this border dispute is quite prolonged. You know, mm. we've had issues with with the air border uh, air issue and also the uh, dispute of, over the islands as well now um why are both countries 
taking so long to basically resolve this issue, Rizal? Because um, I believe it's not just a border issue. I think there are other issues as well uh, that both countries would want to um, tread carefully as they move forward. There's the water issue, there's the border issue, there's the air, um, space, landing, yes. um, instrument issues. So I think if you take into account all these issues, I think both countries would want to negotiate and take their time to negotiate and to discuss things properly mm. and not come to a conclusion, a rush conclusion at yeah. that. And be careful with, say, if I give in, if country A gives in, then country B would say, hey, maybe we can ask for a bit more. Mm. Also, if country B gives in, then country A would say, hey, maybe we can just not do anything and, and you know, proceed with business as usual. And the border issue has gone back as far as um, 2002, but until I think only recently around October 2018 that uh, this came up because of the um, landing instrument um, right. uh, issue yep. um, especially with the Selata airport so I think both countries would want to tread on this carefully moving forward so I think we'll, we'll see this issue or discussion taking a bit more time going forward well, I wouldn't say our new Prime Minister <laughs> our old new Prime Minister <laughs> mm. who's very adamant on keeping our borders to ourselves as yes, well yes. Mm. Uh, and our sovereignty to, our, mm-hmm. to ourselves now um, so I'll, now that the uh, Johor MB Osman Sapian has alleged trespass into Singapore Waters. Will this make talks between Malaysia and Singapore, as Rizal mentioned, uh, a, a bit tougher uh, moving forward? Well, first of all, I think uh, the MB Johor visit is just ill time. You know, <laughs> it just the, the Singapore Singapore just take it as their leverage, mm. as simple as that. It's not really an issue. You know, it's not really whether you really trespass or not. You know, of course we're gonna say that we did not trespass, <laughs> but of course you know it's just ill time. But the thing is. It is expected. Things like this is expected. So uh, when Azmin Ali still visits Singapore to discuss about uh, other bilateral issues, it means that this kind of thoughts can move on in a very harmonious way mm. because it also shows that Singapore still needs us, Singapore still values us, so it does not really affect our relationship at all. It's just really a matter of negotiation, you know. I want this and you want that. So it's just a matter of techniques, you know, yeah, negotiation yeah. techniques. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to become something even more. If uh, our politician did not sensationalize these issues, mm. and I think at all, uh, uh, as of right now, I don't see any politicians try to make these things worse. Yeah. So uh, they uh, keep their, their mouth shut. So I think uh, it's going to be re- uh, soft in matter of time. Now coming up, there's no decision yet on left lane only proposal for motorcyclists. And that's after Timmy Thomas on light. We're still with Rizal Zulkapli as well as Ahmad Suhel, Ahmad Adnan for front page. And there has yet to be a decision on the left lane only proposal for motorcyclists. This article has been about um, whether the transport minister is um, trying to make a decision whether we have proposed to have a, a limit of motorcyclists to the left lane. Minister Anthony Loke has said that although ministry welcome any suggestion that could help reduce the fatality rate amongst motorcyclists, the practicality of a proposal lane is uh, more crucial now is it viable with especially with the state of our roads uh, and increasing number of vehicles that we should have an extra lane for motorcyclists I think it's a good idea um, and I think it's the best idea so far as to um, ensuring that um, we 
protect the road users, uh, both the motorcyclists and also cars and, and other road users. And um, if you look at the statistic, in 2018, uh, 60% of the death of, of about 6,000 death cases in 2018 involved motorcyclists. Um, that's about three death cases per day. Mm. So I think in, in order to be a productive country, in order to be a really good um, country for its citizen, we have to provide this lane so that uh, motorcyclists can go to work, can come back and can go back home safely. Mm. And I think if we clearly allocate that, the question next is the enforcement. Mm. And yeah. this has to be done really, really well. Because I think as, as of now, we can see some cars um, using the left uh, most lane. And I think that's not on. So I think if you have a lane specially designed for motorcyclists, um, that should be the priority of the government moving forward and sh- to ensure the safety of road users. Okay, uh, so obviously we, we do have sort of a left lane in, in that has already been in place in, mm-hmm. on the Federal Highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's closed at the moment for road work so you have a lot of now motorcyclists on the road on on the federal highway but as a road user yourself what do you think of this implementation well for this uh, latest uh, proposal to the uh, minister i'm not sure whether left lane means on the emergency lane or the real left lane yeah but there's uh, one uh, mirror's research that says if there are designated motorcycle lanes, whether on the same road or on, on like a federal highway, yeah. it will be able to, to decrease the amount of accident and deaths um, among motorcyclists. Mm. Uh, the thing is that I'm, as a rider myself, most mm. of the time in Kuala Lumpur. So most of the time, uh, almost every day, I, I'm facing a you know, death-threatening moment mm. uh, as yeah. a motorcyclist. Yeah. Because... Uh, especially involved when a car changed lane without mm. giving signals and yeah. you know s- suddenly doing that because just a slight bump. crash a bump mm. with uh, the car a motorcyclist it's not about being fast or not you know mm. just even slow us even if uh, a motorcycle moving very slow but mm. a simple slight bump can 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 bring a very you know de- a bad accident, you know, bad yeah. accident yes mm. because the as a rider we don't have uh, you know uh, any other protection yeah. yeah if you fall definitely you're gonna scar mm. and even a lot worse that's why there's a lot of uh, death among motorcyclists so yes but like the minister say is it practical so if you want to build a designated lane for motorcycle mm. like in federal highway mm. it will cost a lot because a majority of the highways in Malaysia don't have that. It's coming up on front page. <laughs> Former Prime Minister Najib Abdul Raza is trying to make a political comeback on the campaign rail. Now that's after Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper on light. We're still on front page with Rizal Zulkapli and Ahmad Suhail. And now we'll be talking about former Prime Minister Najib Abdul Raza, who's trying to make a political comeback on the campaign rail. Obviously, uh, this has been uh, um, uh, the talk of the town in the last few days, especially the last few weeks. Of course, uh, former Premier uh, Dato Sri Najib has always has been a lot more vocal on this issue, especially with the upcoming by-elections. So he's putting his money's worth into everything. And he's been quite active on and to, on Twitter and everything mm-hmm. else. Now, now, with so many charges looming over his head, is he the right person to campaign for BN? But these, these charges aside, 
I think mm. um, from what we've seen on Twitter, what we've read on Twitter and Facebook, I think he can be the voice, th- th- that strong opposition voice that people want to hear or people want to hear right mm. now. And he can be the check and balance to the um, two-party system right now, to the government uh, in power right now. So mm. I think um, without taking into account he- these charges, yep. we can maybe see a good, strong voice moving forward. But he does not, come without any baggages. That's right. So, um, is he a liability to Barisan Nasional? He left uh, AMNO because he was accused of being the uh, person who brought down uh, Barisan Nasional in GE14. So, is he still a good face? Mm. Uh, can people still trust him? Can people still associate uh, Barisan Nasional or disassociate Barisan Nasional with the uh, charges brought against him? So, I think these are the questions that we should ask moving forward and AMNO members and Barca national members should also ask moving forward. Following on that, Sohel, obviously he's been the, the strong voice in opposition. The opposition themselves have been quite silent on a lot of issues unless it's something that they'd like to create. But on this issue itself, it's one thing questioning everything, but can we take him seriously because of uh, what's what's been happening to him? To be honest, it will be unwise, especially for Pakatan Harapan, to not take him seriously because just from his Facebook I follow him after I just uh, you know I I I look at his status mm. after uh, GE14 at first it just about 1000 like something like that but you know it becoming much more interesting mm. and his troll level is <laughs> just yeah. you know and right now he can gain up to 50000 plus likes wow. and you know it means that you know you have to understand in politics it all is all about perception yep Yes, the Pakatan Harapan will always bring up the 1MDB charges, you know, because that's the weapon. But the people right now are more focused on uh, Pakatan Harapan's performance mm. as a government. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's about seven months, I think, and it's not looking great for them. So the perception right now is, is like people are starting to forget, not really forget, but, you know, like forget about the, the charges, but more focus on performance of Pakatan Harapan. So if uh, Pakatan Harapan do not take uh, Najib seriously, then they will be in trouble especially in PRK Cameron Highland mm-hmm. because he involves a lot in the in the PRK mm. uh, in the campaign and especially in in latest run uh, regarding the um, petrol yep. something like that you yeah. know mm-hmm. uh, they, they pay they, they pay things like that so that will be an issue now coming up on the front page we're talking about the US shutdown now Trump has urged to temporarily reopen the government that's after Belinda Carlisle on light Still on front page, we're speaking to Rizal Zulkapli as well as Ahmad Suhail, and we're talking about the U.S. shutdown. President Donald Trump urged to temporarily reopen the government. Uh, obviously, we've we've known uh, of, across the other side of the pond that there's been this uh, uh, federal government shutdown because of the uh, issue with the wall mm-hmm. between the Trump administration and the Democrats. Now, uh, this is an issue that could affect actually not just beyond uh, the US, but also people from other countries as well. But let's focus on the citizens themselves. How does it affect the the citizens? The close to one million um, government workers affected will not be able to pay their bills. They can't um, service their mortgages, they can't pay their rent, mm. they will probably um, have bad credit ratings mm. um, because they can't service um, all these things. Um, so essentially, this is affecting them directly right now. But in um, the bigger picture is that some TSA or transport security agents are not coming to work, are not going to work. Yep. This is also a threat to national security in the US. Um, some national parks have been um, vandalized by people believing that they can just cut down any trees mm-hmm. and they can just 
just um, do whatever they want. Mm. So we're looking at that. We're seeing that, and this is the um, longest. And now this is the longest shutdown that we've witnessed so far. I believe that holding the country to ransom because you want to build a wall, a 5.7 billion dollar wall at the border, it's it's just not on. I think the US as the world's biggest economy, world's number one economy, if they can do this to their citizen, it's just really weird, you know, waking up to this news and and even after more than uh, three weeks that this is still going on. The deathly silence from his own party, the Republicans, mm-hmm. uh, has been quite poignant as well because we we've never heard whether they're, they're supporting. This this shutdown is is all blamed on the president himself. But on the international stage, how does it affect us? Well, as of right now, mostly it impacts the tourism sector in US. So it affects the tourists because al- although most of the airlines in America are private, but most of the personnel are actually uh, f- uh, from the federal government. For example, like the security at the airports. So. Actually, uh, uh, some of the airports actually have to close one of their concourse or something like that. Mm. So, as of right now, it, it doesn't impact the international much because the agency involved in the shutdown mostly uh, involve internal affairs. You mm. know, mm. not really the uh, import export might 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 affect it in the future mm. if if this shutdown go on. So I think they have to to resolve the issue, but. As of right now, uh, the economy is not really uh, impact much yeah. for US because yeah. it's about one billion dollar a week. That that's that sounds uh, a lot, a lot but, but for them, is, for yeah. them because they are a nineteen trillion dollar economies, yeah. so it's it's a very much it's very low. But if this uh, shutdown prolong for another one week or two week, I believe the loss will be much more than what Trump wants. Yeah. Trump wants about 5.7 billion for the for his wall but as of right now it's uh, lower Manageable. than that the loss yeah. impacted uh, them is lower than that but for another one week or two weeks it will be much more than that so the democrat have to decide much because the ball is in their oh. court we had Rizal Zukapli the anchor from Awani Global and Ahmad Suhail Ahmad Adnan the journalist from Newsdesk Brita Harian